to John, the eighth chapter. Eight. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered Jesus, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin, and the slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, then you will be free indeed. The Gospel of the Lord. I have I all deceited. So I, I started with my, my favorite Reformation joke about Reformation being the day we see if Martin Luther sees his shadow and know whether there's six more weeks of Lent. And I like that in part because of how much it sort of, on the one hand, subverts the expectations of Reformation, which for Lutherans especially, being the offshoots of Luther and the Reformation theology that Luther partly espoused and Melanchthon sort of expound, expanded upon, but that theologians for hundreds of years prior had already been working toward. I was, I was talking to our erstwhile seminarian, Dan, before worship, and that conversation brought up in my mind the reminder that Martin Luther was not only not the first Reformation theologian, but he was also, during his lifetime, really surprised to find that he followed others. I, I think uh, Martin Luther may have suffered from the calamity that a lot of people suffer from, thinking that our ideas really are original to us. But there was a reformer about 100 years before Martin Luther named Jan Hus. And it, it's pertinent that Hus's name translates to goose. And Jan Hus was preaching a lot of the same things that Martin Luther would preach a generation later. And there's a story which I, I think is probably sort of a forensic history because uh, of how convenient it is. But nevertheless, we have it. And when Jan Hus was being prepared to be burned at the stake for trying to stir up trouble in the church, he said, my goose is cooked, haha. But I know, funny, huh? But there will come a rose that you cannot stomp, and Martin Luther's symbol was the rose. And so it tells us that, you know, not only do we sometimes come to realize later, as Luther did when he exclaimed, I've always been a Hussite, and I never knew it, that our ideas aren't original to us. One of the, one of the things about Reformation that I think is really noteworthy and important is that whatever our tradition what, whatever our beliefs, whatever ways we interpret our faith in our families or in our own individual selves or how we understand what it means to follow God, we are all somehow, in ways we know, in ways we don't know, following in the grand tradition of the church and believers and the cloud of witnesses that have stretched before and that will stretch after, that have pondered and thought and had faith in similar ways. It's, it's kind of neat to know that whatever we think, we're, we're part of that tradition. I, I think when we say we celebrate the Reformation, that's part of what we mean, is that we're celebrating the fact that even though there was this split that became much more obvious following 1517, you know, we, 
we are still part of the larger tradition of what Jesus did. And, and I was actually planning to use this prior to our conversation, just so you know. And it's true that part of that tradition is also believing really ardently that because I am following the way that I have been taught, and obviously as Lutherans, it's the way that's taught by Jesus, right? Because I'm following the way that's been taught by Jesus, that those other people, those other people are probably doing it in a way that Jesus wouldn't, appear, wouldn't appreciate. As we hear in John 8 today, Jesus talks about the truth. <clears throat> and disciples, like all faithful people, tend to believe that the real truth is the real truth because we've learned it here, wherever here happens to be in our congregation. And, of course, while the truth does uniquely reside here at St. John in Sudbury, Massachusetts, as part of the ELCA, God's denomination, right? We, we also know that we're part of a tradition that does include other people. And the disciples had been out on their first missionary journey. They were really excited because they had done all kinds of things that included healing people. But they were frustrated because to a one of them, they had failed to cast out demons. And so there they are returning to Jesus and they see an upstart casting out de demons in the name of Jesus. And they're frustrated. I, I think nominally because like this other person was casting out demons in Jesus' name. But as the humans that they were, I think what really frustrated them was this person who wasn't part of their group was doing what they could never achieve. And so they go to Jesus and say something that's telling, Jesus, he's casting out demon and he's not one of us. Make him stop. And I think what they expected was what we all expect when we say something like that. Oh my goodness, they're not doing it the way I have described in great detail to you, the, the way that is obviously the only way to accomplish these things? Let's go get them. That's not what Jesus does. And fortunately for us, it's not the way of Jesus. Jesus says two important things. First, well, if he's out there casting out demons in my name, he's not going to speak ill of me anytime soon, is he? You know, he's not going to go around talking trash if he's doing things in my name. This is okay. But the other thing I think that's also telling is Jesus says, whoever's not against us is for us. I think this is something that a lot of times we tend to forget because we do tend to be so tribal. We do tend to be so focused on our own community as the right way. We, we tend to be so tied up and our affiliations and our nations and our denominations and, and the traditions of our own congregations and in, in the way my family does it or your family does it, that it becomes much more challenging over time as we become more convinced of how correct our way is to realize that the traditions of other congregations, denominations, nations, or people could possibly be just as important or just as right as ours. And as I, as I read Psalm 46 in the context of the world today, especially seeing the renewed violence between Israel and Palestine, seeing the continuing violence in the Ukraine, seeing the continuing violence in all the different places there are, seeing the continued uptick in violence against the Jewish community, violence against the the AAPI community, violence against all the different different groups that there have been over the last several years. And not only the, the overt violence, 
but the different ways that we make certain that we make certain those who are different recognize their differences because the way we do things is the right way, it becomes harder and harder for us to see what I think the truth is that Jesus is getting to. Jesus says that the truth will make you free, and the people who listen respond by saying, Jesus, we're children of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anybody. And Jesus' response is, well, God could raise up children to Abraham from these rocks. And imagine how disheartening this is for, for those people whose inheritance and whose certainty of their correctness and whose devotion to those traditions and those things that help them to feel justified that are really truly important to them, and for a lot of good reasons too, to hear that that heritage is, isn't necessarily the most important thing about them. That if it's heritage that's important, God can create heritage too. But the truth is, I think what we find in Psalm 46, what we term as desolations that God wreaks upon the earth, and when we think of the desolations of God, I think a lot of times what we think about is those images in, Re in Revelation that involve fire and brimstone, that involve, you know, the destruction of all the evil things so that the new Jerusalem can descend upon the creation and the reign of God and the reign of humanity rest together. And we see the fulfillment of the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And yet, in Psalm 46, the desolations that God wreaks upon the world are the breaking of the bow, the shattering of the spear, the burning of the chariots with fire, not the people, the implements, the implements of our destruction, the implements of our division, the implements that we use to dehumanize people so much that we might kill them or discount them, the implements of our pride that allow us to say these people aren't following like we follow, we should make them stop. The implements that make us more concerned about nations than people. The implements that allow us to worry about the politics of nations more than the right of people to raise their families in peace, find some measure of success, and die in bed at a ripe old age. We, we find in the church that when we consider this against some of our deeply held other beliefs, that I don't know about y'all, but when I think about the conflicts that have been raging my entire lifetime and before that and will rage after that, it makes me feel uncomfortable because I have thoughts about them that remembering people who live in Israel and Palestine, people who live in Ukraine and Russia, people who live in all these other places where our, we have learned to think certain things about those places. Those people are people God is creating. Those people are people God's, God loves. Those people who, in the great Lutheran tradition that we recognize, are sinners and saints living it all out at once because all of us are capable of both the greatest good and the most evil evil, depending on the circumstances with which we're presented. 
And this, I think, is the truth that Jesus says is going to set us free. It's the truth that we access when we confess. And the you know, in the sacred green book, when we said we confess that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves, it's not because we're trying to remember we're mean, nasty people necessarily. It's so that we can stand in the light of the truth of who we are as human beings. There are those things about us that we can never love, that we pray that God will love, because maybe only God can love them. And those, there are those parts of us that are so good that they can only come from God. And we're grateful that God loves these parts too. And we hear that old confession, that old proclamation of grace and the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ is given to die for us. And for our sake, God forgives us all our sins. And this is the one that, that Dan can't say. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ, and by this authority, I declare to you the entire forgiveness of all our sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is the truth that sets us free because it reminds us that the fullness of our truth goes beyond our sin. It goes beyond our brokenness. It goes beyond those divisions that we choose and remember. It goes beyond those places where we hold ourselves captive. And in fact, not only can we not free ourselves, but in most cases, we wouldn't choose freedom if we could because they're such deeply held parts of our identity. When we hear these words, what we hear are the words of God's truth, of who we are in God's eyes, not God whose anger is changed to love in the death and resurrection of Jesus, but God whose love for us is always God's truth about who we are. I, I think at the end of it, this is the truth of Reformation as well. The, the truth is that we are cantankerous. The truth is that if Luther hadn't been such a jerk, there may not have been that rift with the Catholic Church. The truth is that if the, the barons and the, and the landowners in Germany weren't tired of paying taxes to the church, they may not have protected Luther. There's a lot of truths there that, that make the Reformation of what it is. And yet I think the truth that comes from God who can lift up descendants of Luther from these very rocks is what we find from the very beginning. God creates the heavens and the earth, separates light from dark, separates the waters from the waters, creates humankind in God's image and declares at the end of the day, each time, this is good. And in our brokenness and in our sin, and in our goodness and in the ways we heal each other through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we hear what is constantly calling us as God's people into reformation. God sees and says it's good, not perfect, but somehow through God's grace, we continue to fit God's purpose. Amen.